the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. Good morning to my People's Baptist Church family, and good morning to your guests and friends who have joined us for this live stream worship service, coming to you from the historic sanctuary of People's Baptist Church of Boston. We are delighted that you have joined us, and we know that God will bless you because whenever we call upon the name of the Lord, he's always there to respond to us and to bless us. So may this be a time of, of blessing for all of us as we look together in God's word to see what he has to say to us today. The title of the message is, Do You Need a Miracle? The most famous miracle in the New Testament is the feeding of the 5,000. It's the only miracle of Jesus repeated in all four Gospels. We know that if something is given once in the Bible, it is true and we should believe it. But when the Holy Spirit repeats himself, it must be because there is a lesson of surpassing importance that he wants us to have. So there is just one miracle, and only one, that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record. 5,000 hungry men show up uninvited, and they stay for supper. No one went away hungry. Everyone had all they wanted. There were plenty of leftovers. And this is not an airline meal. It is not a snack or a box lunch. Omnipotence has an unending supply. When Jesus serves a meal, there is always enough to go around and then some. The Gospel of Mark tells us There were 5,000 men when Jesus fed this crowd with one little boy's lunch. With 5,000 men, how many women and children do you think were present? I believe you could um, estimate that maybe 5,000 women and children, or could be more than that, even 10,000. So there could have been about 15,000 people present on that occasion. Now, Jesus never does a miracle just for show. 
He doesn't do it without a purpose. He wants to teach us a lesson about how God turns a little into a lot. There are four steps we can identify in this miracle and how God um, responds to us. First, you identify the problem. Mark 6.34, when Jesus got out of the boat, he saw the large crowd and his heart was filled with pity for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Now the problem is obvious in verses 34 through 36. There's a large crowd. It's a remote location. There's nothing to eat. 10 to 15,000 people in the middle of nowhere and no McDonald's, no Wendy's, no Burger King's, no Popeye's. But the point is this. Every miracle begins with a problem. If you don't have a problem, you don't need a miracle. If you don't have a need, you don't need a miracle. It may be a physical problem, a spiritual problem, a financial problem, a health problem, but it must be a legitimate problem for God to work a miracle. If you have a problem this morning, then the good news is that you are a candidate for a miracle. The starting point is to recognize there is a problem. But the next step is that you accept responsibility for the problem. Now, God wants us to be concerned about the situation before he does anything about it. Verses 35 and 36, when it was getting late, his disciples came to him and said, It is already very late, and this is a lonely place. Send the people away and let them go to the nearby villages and or farms and villages in order to buy themselves something to eat. The disciples got concerned. The people were hungry and they needed to do something. They accepted responsibility, at least in the sense that they knew that something had to be done. Jesus knew well in advance that there was going to be a problem. But here is the point. Jesus did nothing about the problem until the disciples got concerned. So God saw your health problem or your financial problem or your family problem long before you saw it. He saw our need as a church family to repair and restore stained glass windows, but waits for us to get concerned and to accept responsibility before he does anything about it. Notice that the disciples saw the need finally and came to Jesus and said, Jesus, do something about the problem. There are thousands of hungry people here. Look at Jesus' response in verse 37. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. 
Now, how would you feel if you're facing an impossible situation and Jesus says, you be the solution? Yes, he's getting the disciples and us to accept responsibility. See, financially, the situation is, is impossible. They had no resources to meet this enormous need. They had no food. They had no money. Their calculation was correct, but their faith was wrong. They were quick to talk about what they didn't have and what they can't do. Somehow they forgot that the Son of God was standing right there with them. And as uh, John, in, in his account of the story, in John chapter 6 and verse 6 says, Jesus knew what he was going to do. You see, over and over again, God puts us in positions where we are helpless, and then he says, do something. How, we ask. And he replies, I'm glad you, you asked. It is not that God wants us to fail, but he does want us to know that without him, we can do nothing. Our success depends totally upon him, and the sooner we realize that, the happier we are going to be. So God stretches us by asking us to do the impossible. Now, there are three reactions that we have towards problems that, that we face. And the first reaction is that we procrastinate. Verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. The disciples had all day to see the, the potential problem, but they waited until the end of the day. They did nothing, and Jesus waited on them. The question I have for you is, what difficult situation are you putting off? I could even ask that of, of the church. What difficult situations have we been putting off as a, as a church family, given the responsibility of leading this congregation? You see, procrastination never solves a problem. It only makes it worse. But the second reaction is, we pass the buck. Verse 36. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Basically, the disciples were saying, it's not our problem. We didn't ask these people to come out here and listen to Jesus. They came on their own. They have a problem, they ought to solve it. If they are hungry, let them go and find their own food. It's one of the biggest cop-outs uh, that we often have to, that we often are involved in, is the phrase, it's none of my business. If you have a friend who is wasting his or her life, it is your business. If you have a child who is going in the wrong direction, it is your business. If you have somebody who, that you care about and that person is making the wrong decision, it is your business. Because love cares. Love is compassionate. So don't procrastinate. Don't pass the buck. 
But a, th a third uh, reaction is, we worry about it. Verse 37. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? You see, the disciples' anxiety goes into overdrive. And if we were in their situation, we would start thinking, how will we ever afford to feed this many people? How will we transport the food to get it to them? Who is going to clean up the mess after this is all over? You see, they are worrying. The typical reaction to a problem is we procrastinate, we pass the buck, and we worry. What is funny about, about this is Jesus, the solution to the whole thing, is standing right there with them. They just weren't thinking. They were worrying. It's a worrying is the opposite of faith. It never solves anything. It only makes the problem worse. So what do you do when you realize that you need a miracle? Number three, do what you can. You do what you can and you do it with what you have. God waits to see what we are going to do with what we have before he steps in. Verse 38, how much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. John, in his account of the story, tells us that the hero of the story is a little boy. He's the only person who brought a sack lunch with him to the party. He brought five little barley rolls and two little fish. He gave it to Jesus, and Jesus worked a miracle with it. There are three things we could say about this little boy. One, he gave what he had. He had five barley loaves and two little fish, and he gave it all to Jesus. Never underestimate what God can do through ordinary people and limited resources given in faith. God likes to do extraordinary things through ordinary people. And I'm a witness to that here at People's Baptist Church over the past 45 years of my pastorate. But second... The little boy gave all that he had. He didn't hold back anything. If you want a miracle in your life, you cannot hold anything back from God. The little boy didn't tithe his lunch. Here's 10% of the rolls and 10% of the fish. He gave what he had, and he gave all that he had. The third thing about this little boy is that he gave it immediately, when it was asked for. He didn't hesitate. He didn't wonder about it. He gave it all. So why don't we give like that when we need a miracle? I think you could find two reasons. One, we are worried that we might end up having to do without. Is if I give this, 
this little that I have, I'm not going to have enough for myself. I need every cent that I have to make it. If I give a sacrificial gift, for example, to the Women's Day fundraiser to repair our, our stained glass windows, how am I going to pay my bills? You see, we really don't believe that God will take care of our needs if we give sacrificially to him. But uh, another thing is that we think, what's the use? How can my little bit help? Here's 15,000 people and one little boy's lunch of five rolls and two fish. We probably would have said, if I give what I have, how is it going to help? It's so insignificant. That was Andrew's reaction. It's in John 6, 8 and 9. Then Andrew, Simon's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this large crowd? When we do what we can with what we have and give our best to God, then, number four, expect a miracle. Mark six thirty-nine through 42, Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. Now, how did it happen? We don't know. It's a miracle. This is God's doing. I'm sure that um, probably uh, the disciples noticed that as Jesus was breaking the bread, he just kept multiplying in his hands. Uh, we don't know exactly. Uh, we can only surmise. But God specializes in things that are humanly impossible. If you ever use that word impossible with respect to God's work, listen for a laugh from heaven. The word impossible is not in God's vocabulary. With God, all things are possible. No matter how big your problem is, God can handle it. But you must do your part. You do what you can with what you have, and then expect God to take it from there. God is not going to do what you can do. Expect God to help you in that situation that you find yourself in. Some of you uh, may be facing scary health diagnosis from the doctors about cancer. Some of you may be uh, concerned about your work situation. Some of you may be concerned about the financial problems that you, that you have and your family problems that you don't seem to get a, have a handle on. Jesus said to two blind men in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 29, According to your faith, let it be done to you. 
and the blind men receive their sight as a result of their faith in Jesus Christ. This is one of the great verses in the scriptures, which I like because we get to choose what God does in our life. We get to choose how much God blesses us. Do you want to believe God for a little? He'll do a little in your life. Do you want to believe God for more? He'll do more in your life. Do you want to believe God for a miracle? He'll do a miracle according to your faith. You get to decide. This story also teaches us a principle that runs all through the scriptures. That's the fact that you cannot outgive God. When you give to God in faith, the blessing is incredible. Verses 43 and 44, Then the disciples took up twelve baskets full of what was left of the bread and the fish. The number of men who were fed was 5,000. Any time you give sacrificially to God, you always end up getting more back from him. You can't outgive God. Giving is really a test of your faith in God. So what is the central lesson of this story? What we want God to do for us, he wants to do through us. Jesus could have done the miracle without the disciples, without the little boy. He could have just rained manna from heaven. He could have fed everybody instantly, but he didn't. He waited until the disciples got concerned and accepted responsibility for it, and then waited until a little boy came forward and said, Here's what I have, Lord. It ain't much, but here's what I have. Why? Because God likes to do miracles through people. It blesses them by being an instrument of a miracle. He didn't need the little boy's lunch. He didn't need the disciples to point out the problem or to pass out the bread and fish. He chose to do it because God uses people. That's his method. God can take the blind and make them see. He can take the deaf and make them hear. He can take the lame and make them walk. The dumb and make them talk. The weak and make them strong. And he can take the bad and make them good. When nobody else can do it, God can. When nobody else can change it, God can. When nobody else can handle it, God can. God can make blessings out of burdens, gladness out of sadness, hope out of despair, much out of little, and something out of nothing. It is absolutely amazing what God can do if we trust him. Without any struggle, without any difficulty, without any inconvenience, without any instruction or encouragement from anybody, God can heal our diseases, remove our doubts, dissolve our fears, restore our hopes, refresh our tired bodies, and dry our bitter tears. He is God Almighty. We are his children. Let us trust him for the miracle that we need today. Amen.
Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.